in tongues, just begin to release our spirit to receive from God tonight. Let's open our hearts. Come on, we can do better than that. Holy Spirit, we invite you to come. We call upon you to come and minister in our midst to help us, to speak to us, to inspire us, uh, and to lift our faith to operate in a new level of authority. Lord, we honor you and thank you tonight. We welcome you to come and help us in Jesus' name. Everyone said? Amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord a clap. Thank you, Lord. Wonderful. Great. Please be seated. And as in the other seminar, we'll have some activations for you to do. And uh, the activations are to develop and to build your inner life. So let's start with session one. Uh, you see the sessions we've outlined there are various things. One of them I'll break into two. Number one is on your apostolic mandate. Number two is on spiritual territory. And number three on how you exercise spiritual authority. And then four on how you exercise it in your own life. And then we want to speak about your authority to minister to people and then give you some uh, practical things on how to build your spirit man, build the inner man, because everything you do that flows in the realm of the spirit requires you strengthen your inner man. And uh, if we have some time, we'll share with you some practical things just on ministering the spirit and how to flow the Holy Ghost. We will have some activations, things for you to do, because that will help you get just get your spirit alive and we'll give you some practical things of what you can do to raise the spiritual energy in your life and also how you actually go about releasing spiritual authority. Okay then. So let's look on uh, 1.1 and everything's uh, got pages to it. So uh, <laughs> they're all numbered so we can find it very easy. So firstly, the apostolic mandate. And uh, let me ask you this question. If you knew that where you live in the community... God had sent you there because he had something for you to accomplish. How would that affect the way you related to the people and how you lived your life? If you believe that the workplace that you are working in, God actually sent you there with an assignment, how would that affect the way you relate to all the other workers and the way you treat people and the way you respond to problems and difficulties? If you believed that wherever you go, you are a person on assignment, how would that affect the way you would relate to people and to struggles and pressures and difficulties that come? I believe that if we thought that way, it would change totally how we live our life. It's just we don't see we're on assignment. We don't see that at all. We just get busy with our life. And so what I want to do in this first session is just look at the area of the apostolic mandate. We have a tendency to think that to become a Christian means that you come to Jesus, you're connected to him, the Spirit of God is in you, and then you're going to go to heaven. This is only half of the story. And if you've only got a half of the story, then you haven't really got it all at all. So uh, the full story is this, that we are connect when we receive Jesus into our life, the Spirit of God comes in, we are connected to the Spirit of God, we're connected to heaven, but we are given a mandate to restore the community we live in or to change and bring what is around us 
into harmony with heaven. We're called to bring heaven into the earth. Now, this is the the missional aspect of the church that is every believer's uh, calling. We tend to think, well, missionaries are just people you send out overseas. But no, the reality is the church is called to be missional in mind. In other words, every person is a missionary, a sent person. Every person is called to embrace the missional aspect of what God has called them to do. So notice what it says here. Let's have a look at this. First of all, understanding the apostolic mandate. After these things, uh, after what things? After Jesus had sent 12 disciples out and they ministered in the power of the Holy Ghost and delivered people and, and healed people, it says he appointed another 70 and sent them out two by two before his face into every city and place he himself was about to go, Luke 10:1. So Jesus had already uh, deployed 12 apostles, but the Bible says he looked and he saw the harvest was so great, so he then got another 70 and launched them out in two by two. And so he commissioned them, and they had the same commissioning that the apostles had. They were called to do exactly the same, bring the gospel, heal the sick, uh, uh, cast out demons, raise the dead, bring heaven to earth wherever they went. And it says they weren't apostles, they were just followers of Christ, but they had the same mission that the apostles had. Now that word meant it's he sent them, means literally it's the word apostello in Greek, and it means something like this. The word apostello, we, we kind of think apostolic and you wonder what it means. But if we were to go back to what it meant in the day it was written, then you understand it. So the word apostolic, we call it apostolic now, is a Greek word apostello. And what it means literally is this. If, uh, the, if the Romans wanted to send a general into an area to overcome resistance and occupy it and bring it into the kingdom of Rome or under the dominion of Rome, they would say apostello. They sent him on a mission to do this. That's the word they'd use. Uh, if they wanted to, in the, in the Hebrew culture, if they wanted to plant another synagogue in another place, in other words, to go to another area, an unknown area, and, and, and plant a, a synagogue, or we'd call it a church plant now, the word that was uh, uh, used was the word apostello or apostolic. They were sent on a mission. So we tend to uh, sort of get sort of unusual ideas around these words, and we kind of don't find them easy to to take. But if you were just to take that the word apostolic means you're sent on a mission to advance the kingdom of God wherever you've been assigned. So notice that all 70 are apostolic. They're all sent on a mission, and wherever they were sent, they were called to advance the kingdom of God. We want to look at practically how that might take place. And uh, so an apostle... Uh, uh, in, in the early language, they understood it. It was someone who was an ambassador sent on a military mission to conquer an area and bring it in line or bring it under the kingdom. So we think then that the church, right at its origins, is apostolic, not pastoral. The church tends to want to be pastoral. People want to have their needs met. They want to have someone to care for them, someone to teach them, look after them. And this is a valid part of the ministry of Christ part of his pastoral ministry, but his primary ministry was apostolic. Hebrews 3, one, he's called the apostle and high priest of our calling. So one of the primary identifiers of Jesus was his apostolic. He was sent. He said, the father sent me. And he said, as the father sent me, I send you. So around Jesus thinking all the time was this aspect of sending. So a believer may not be an apostle, but they can be sent. They can be apostolic. So I believe 
that we're living in an hour when God is wanting every believer to be apostolic. Now, that doesn't mean a title. It means I'm missional in nature. What that means is I'm a person with a mission. I'm an ambassador for heaven. I've got a work that is unique to me. Only I can do it. How would your life be different if you believed that you are quite unique and that you have something unique to give to the people who meet you? That would change how you're related to people. It's all in the paradigm and in the thinking. So if we think of church as the gathering where we come and sing songs and worship God, and we don't think of it as a missional body, people sent to do something, we totally reduce Jesus' thinking and his planning and his, uh, his dreams towards the church. So all believers are sent. Notice Jesus has given a mandate, and the mandate's very clear. It is a command. It's an authorization to do something. Proclaim the gospel, make disciples, and minister in power and signs and wonders. So let's have a look at the first apostolic mandate, and then we, I want to just show you just a couple of things related to this. But I want you to understand that you are designed to have dominion spiritually. You're actually wired for that. But let's have a look at the first apostolic mandate. In Genesis 1.28, God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, have dominion over the sea, the birds of the air, and everything that moves on the earth. Now notice that man and woman were both given the same mandate. Man and woman are equal in this. We're equally mandated by God to be fruitful, to multiply or, or increase, to fill the earth or subdue uh, and have dominion. That means that there must be something you've got to conquer. If you're called to subdue, there must be something you have to subdue. Or, and it's not a person. It's usually a spiritual issue. So we see that the first uh, is the interesting thing. Which came first, the people or the assignment? Think about that one. Which came first, the people or the assignment? I believe the assignment came. Because man, created, man was created to fulfill the assignment. Think about that. See, before in, in Ephesians 2.10, it tells us that we are his workmanship created in Jesus Christ for good works which God foreordained we would walk in them. In other words, before we turned up on the earth and were born, God had prepared something for us to accomplish with our life. That means the assignment came before the people did. Notice which came first, the garden or the people? The garden. So the assignment came first. Now, it doesn't mean that the assignment is more important. What I'm saying is that God produced people to fulfill a purpose. So he had a... Think about this. If, if, you, uh, if you are a manufacturer and you design a toaster... Now, which came first, the toaster or the purpose? The purpose. You started to think, I need to create a machine that you can put slices of bread in and it'll heat them up and it'll make them nice and we can put jam and marmalade and so on stuff on it. So you had a thing in mind to which you design the machine and then the machine fulfills the purpose. So you think about God, how God created us. He created us with something for us to do. If you can get this in your heart, you realize how important it is to discover what you're uniquely wired and called to do. And most people, unfortunately, live their life from someone else's script. In other words, we're acting out what someone else said was what we should do. Rather than discovering for ourselves what God called us to do and passionately pursuing the mission that God has wired into our heart. 
quite challenging, isn't it? I was talking to one young man recently, and he'd been seeking direction from me, and I actually refused to give him the direction he should go. What I directed him to do was to find what he was wired in his heart to do, and he said, well, I don't know. I said, well, actually, I know you know the thing that's blocking you is you're trying to please everyone. You've lived under control for so much of your life. You've not actually taken ownership of what God put in your own heart. I said, if I tell you what to do, I'll always be the one who told you what to do. You actually have to own your life yourself and own your future yourself and discover what God widened you for you to fulfill. I showed him how to do that. I was starting to begin to journal and to write down and, and discover the dreams of his heart. And recently he came to me and he said, this is what I believe I should do. I said, great, you've got it. I'll help you do it. You understand? I, if I told him, which is what he wanted me to do, it would have taken away from him the journey of discovering and taking ownership of his own assignment that God wrote into his heart. Unfortunately, many people live and they've been in abusive situations and strongholds and things form around the mind. And what happens, we live out of what someone else said we should do rather than discovering what God called us to do. How many of you are thinking about that one? Eh? So God, God had an assignment for us and he created you to fulfill an assignment. So where you were born, the circumstances of your birth, the kind of nation you were born in, the locality you were born in, the education you had, the background you had, all uh, contributes to forming who you are. And even if some of it was bad, when God redeems it, what is redeemed then becomes the powerful testimony that God can use to indicate, uh, to, to touch people's lives. So you are a person with a mission. Even if you don't know what your mission is, it doesn't change. You were sent. You didn't just arrive. Now, that changes our thinking. See, if, if, if evolution will teach, we just arrived and it was by chance. It is a horrendous thing because it takes away the truth of divine destiny and purpose. You didn't just arrive. No matter how you came into this world, whether people wanted you or not, you didn't just arrive. God preordained you would come. He knew you were coming and had an assignment for you to f complete. The, the part you have to play is to connect with God and discover what you're called to do and arise and break free of the things that tell you can't do it. And that is where learning to stand up, take responsibility and assert spiritual authority starts to have its first place in your own life. So you see getting free in your own life is a crucial part to being able to actually then have influence beyond yourself. Okay, we're getting it. You're all getting quiet now. <laughs> How many starting to feel that? Already that's starting to affect your thinking. How many could feel your thinking starting to shake on that? It's powerful, isn't it, eh? It's just changing, and it changes our concept because we, we tend to live out of, out of paradigms and ways of thinking, and we need our way of thinking changed. And uh, so, for example, we tend to talk about all the problems that are around rather than actually problems. We're here to solve problems. We're not to complain about Complaining about problems makes us part of the problem. We're called to actually go to our assignment and change it. Isn't that, great th isn't that a great thing? And I want to share with you how to actually bring about some of that change so that you start to realize you're not a victim, you are a person who has power to bring difference. But there's always going to be a fight for that. <laughs> Freedom always costs you something. Okay, so the Apostolic Commission in Matthew chapter 9, verse 35 to 10, 1, Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in all these synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom. So he preached 
And his message was the kingdom of heaven with its blessings and life is really close. What is required is you repent or change how you think. That was his message. And he demonstrated the kingdom, healing every sickness, every disease among the people. And when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. So he said to his disciples, the harvest truly is great, but the laborers few. Pray the Lord of harvest to send laborers into his harvest. And when he called his 12 disciples, he gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out and heal all kinds of sickness, all kinds of disease. So... We see that Jesus came to restore the original mandate. The original mandate was to subdue and have dominion. So in other words, there was something that was going to oppose them that they had to arise and overcome. And we know, we've read the story how Adam and Eve uh, sinned against God. And the Bible tells us the authority they had, they yielded up. They lost their spiritual authority. They lost their garments of glory. They lost their connection with God. They lost relationship and dominion so when jesus came back he came to give us back relationship and an assignment or dominion again so notice he demonstrated he actually had authority when he healed sickness disease commanded nature cast out demons all of these he demonstrated that he lived out the message and then notice then that he came to actually restore us so we have again this ability to bring heaven to earth we just need to learn some of the practical ways of going about doing that And Jesus identified that the greatest need, the greatest need he saw was for laborers, for people who would give themselves to fulfilling their mission. When Jesus looked, he saw the multitudes. He didn't just see a crowd of people. He was actually deeply moved because they needed help. One of the things that you, it's a practical thing that you could do very easily is to walk through the streets or walk through a crowd of people and just praying in your spirit and then begin to look into them. Just as you, as you, as you uh, walk through people, just look at people and smile at them. Otherwise, you stare at them. They start to get what's up with you. But, but look at people and smile at them. And as you look at them, look into their eyes and look into their, look into their countenance. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you to see them as he sees them. And you know what will happen if you start to do that for a while? You're not going to try and engage anyone. You're just starting to open your eyes to see people like Jesus does. We tend to see people as problems. We tend to see people as divided into those who we need their help for something or we, we don't really want to be too connected with them or they're an interruption to our life. But if you, I, I, when I first came here, I found one of the things that really helped me was I began to walk through the street looking at people until I began to feel tremendous compassion and the terrible, you could see the problems written on their faces. You could see the burden on them. You could, you become awakened to see people like God can see them. Even on a church on a Sunday, you can go in and, and you just get into a routine. But if you go in there and realize, listen, I, I'm, I'm here not because I come to church. I'm here because God sent me here. I'm here to be a blessing. And there's someone here needs what I have to do today. So you go in and you start to look around and talk with people. And if you will start to look differently, you will see the needs. It doesn't take you very long. That's the first phase is to get the heart for people. Ask Jesus to give you a heart of compassion because your mission is always to people. Now, we may be a technical person. We may do this and may do that. But the bottom line is, whatever our mission is, it will always ultimately involve people. So we need to get the heart of God for people. 
I encourage you. It's such a simple thing. First exercise you can write down that you could do is just as you just to begin to walk through crowds of people, and as you walk through them, smile at them, look into their eyes, look into their face, and tr- and just reach out towards them from your heart, and ask God to show you what how He sees them. You will be amazed how your view changes. Second thing you can do is make a decision that you're going to start to engage people and ask them about themselves. Just take an interest in them. Ask questions. Don't try and talk about yourself in any way. Don't try and convert them. Just ask questions and show kindness and an interest in the person. Now, you will find a second thing. The first thing you'll find is how you begin to feel and see people. uh, uh, You feel about people and see people as Jesus sees them. Second thing, when you start to ask the questions and listen, what you'll find is you begin to discover what's really going on in people's lives. I'm amazed how people will open up and talk. If you just begin to ask questions, don't get defensive, just reflect back what you think you heard, and they will begin, if they find you'll listen to them, they'll tell you stuff. And they'll tell you things that you never would have realized. And you begin to realize this this person's opened their life because they're lonely and disconnected. They want to find someone who'll listen to them. Then we'll share with you some other things you can do about how to bring the presence of God. So you are caught. And notice he gave them an apostolic commission. So first he gave it to the 12. Now he's given it to the 70. And as we'll see shortly, we'll see in Mark chapter 16, he gives it to everyone. Everyone has got the apostolic commission. Everyone is a missionary. Everyone is sent. So turn to someone and say, well, hello, missionary. Come on. <laughs> See, it's a funny thing, isn't it? That you, It's a sort of a word you use for someone else. You don't think of it as related to yourself. But you're a person on a mission. The moment you walk out of this building, you're on mission. Okay, then. So let's go to 1.4. You're designed for dominion. In Psalm 8, verse 5 and 6. Now notice the psalmist is speaking and acknowledging, you have made him a little lower than the angels. You've made man a little lower than the angels. Now that word angels is literally the original word, the word Elohim, meaning God. So you have made man just a little beneath God. You have created him in your own image and likeness. Notice what? You have crowned him with glory and honor. You've made him to have dominion over the works of your hands. You've put all things, all things under his feet. Now, of course, we don't see that. We see the consequences of sin. But this is the original design. So notice now that God designed us for dominion over his creation. That word crown means an ornamental uh, headgear that a sovereign state would wear. So notice he said, you have made man just a little lower in rank than God, and you have crowned him or put a sovereign headgear over him of glory and honor, given him glory and honor, and you've made him for the purpose of having dominion over the works of your hands and put everything under your feet, his feet. Now, you can't get it clear. That's one of the best verses in the, in the Bible to describe that you are royalty called on assignment to represent Jesus in the earth. You're called to represent a king. Now, many times when we speak and pray, we don't see ourselves that way. We don't think of ourselves that way. We tend to think about ourselves out of what our old self-esteem is. But imagine if you were to wake up every day and think, I am royalty. I am crowned with glory and honor. I am called to represent the king of kings today. Everywhere I go, I will give my very best. Gives you a different perspective on your day. Totally different. It's, 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 something, it's a truth to get into your heart. That is who you are. You're called for this. 
And now notice in uh, the next verse we'll look at there around dominion, in Psalm 149, verse 5 through to 9, it says this, Let the saints be joyful in glory. Let them sing aloud on their beds. Let the high praises of God be in their mouth. So it's talking about the whole area of opening our life to engage with God. So when it's saying be joyful, singing aloud, high praises, what it's really talking about is us opening up the realm of heaven for God to move. That's how you open heaven to yourself. You exalt the Lord. He says he inhabits the praises of his people. So when I give myself to vocal and expressive praise, I am opening up the realms of heaven for the presence of God to flow through me into the earth. Now notice what it says next. It said, and the two-edged sword in the hand to execute vengeance on the nations and punishment on the people to bind their kings with chains, their nobles with fetters of iron to execute on them the judgment written. This honor has all his saints. Now that word, all his saints. God has placed a tremendous honor on you. He could just wipe the devil out just like that. In fact, there'll come a day when he'll send some angels and they'll assign them all into hell and they'll be there for a thousand years. He can do it today, could do it tomorrow. He could have done it already. But the Bible says he's given us a particular honor. And this is what the honor is. He's given us an honor of dealing the judgments of heaven, the judgments of the word of God against evil spirits. He's given us the honor of executing that in the earth. He's given us the honor of addressing and dealing with evil spirits in the earth. It's an, it's an honor. It's not an unusual ministry. It's actually a privilege to represent God and get rid of the ravening wolves out of people's lives. It's an honor and a privilege. Have you thought of that? See, a lot of people use the word deliverance or, or spiritual warfare. They think it's sort of some weird thing and it's just for a few people. And then they don't realize actually this honor of bringing judgment against evil spirits is actually an honor given to all the saints. And it requires that be worshipers of God, knowing how to access God, and that we know how to use the word of God quite simply. And we'll show you how to do that in a little bit later in one of the sessions. What a great privilege for you to bring the presence of God to wherever you are and to change the spiritual atmosphere. I was talking to one man, and, uh, and uh, he was complaining to me about a situation at work. And I said, uh, I said to him, well, I said, what's the problem? And he told me, well, all the language and the cursing and the atmosphere, it was a horrendous place. And I said, is that right? And he said, what are you going to do about it? He said, well, I'm going to leave. I said, really? I said, well, let me tell me, tell me that one again. I said, how many other Christians are there? And he said, no one. I said, so let me say this again. You're the only Christian there, and because it's all so bad, you're about to leave and resign your post. He said, well, I hadn't thought of it like that, but yeah, <laughs> that's it. You know. <laughs> I said, why don't you do something about it? He said, what on earth can I do? I said, well, I said, the people there are under the influence of spirit, wicked spirits. They have access to their lives because their lives are unsurrendered and they run independently. But you on, the, on the, you, on the contrary, you have access to heaven to bring heaven into the earth. You could change that whole environment. I said, you're thinking of it as a problem and you're wanting to get away so you can have an easier life. You're not thinking of yourself as a missionary in a workplace called to shift the spiritual atmosphere. He said, and he wasn't thinking that way at all. He was thinking, how can I get out where it'll be nicer? Well, we're not called to retreat to where it's nicer. 
we're called to advance and change what's there. Can you see this? It's a different thinking, isn't it? And so what I did then was I said, I'll go down with you. So we went down into his workplace and I said, I can feel it's pretty oppressive. here. obviously spirits here. Our business is to drive them out because God has given us authority. He said, you don't have to be the boss to do that. He doesn't get to drive demons out because he's the boss. You get to drive them out because Jesus is your boss and you represent them. So what we did was we prayed strongly in tongues. Then we began to walk around the workplace and began to address the spirits that were there. We named the particular manifestations that were happening, uh, the various difficulties that they were facing over and over and over again. We began to speak to the spirits behind them, commanded them to go, forbade them to operate, commanded them to go out of the place, and then by the Holy Spirit to come in and increase the productivity to change the atmosphere in that workplace. He, a week later, he came back and he ran up and he was really excited. And he said, we've had the best week we've ever had. I have never enjoyed work so much I had this week. And I said, wow, isn't that wonderful? And I wonder why. Because often people don't connect the blessing and the flow of what they're experiencing back with the things that brought it about. And I said, you were about a week ago, you were about to leave this place because it was so bad. Now you're saying how much you like it. I said, you have had to change in the way you approach this whole thing. You have had to deal with the spirits in the atmosphere. I had a, another young man, and he was uh, complaining about his workplace, and it was very, very difficult. And the particular place he was working in, uh, they were having breakdowns of all kinds, and there was bad morale, there were a whole number of things there. And I said, what are you going to do about it? He said, well, I can't do anything about it. I'm not the boss. I said, hey, listen, how many other Christians there? He said, would you believe it? None. I said, well, here you go. I said, don't you realize that the, the problems are not just outward things. They actually have got a spiritual root and a spiritual source. And I said, you, you are a believer. You can do something about that. I said, now, tell me, when did the problem start? And he said, well, when the new supervisor came on our line, that's when the problems start. I said, what do you know about that man? He said, we're well, pretty dark, heavy person. We said, what well, do you think he might have been involved in the occult? And he said, probably is. I think he might be, actually. I said, really, is that right? So I said, well, we could deal with that, can't we? And, and so I, I showed him what to do. I showed him to stand up every day, begin to pray in tongues, and to stand as an ambassador of heaven, speak into the spiritual atmosphere, take dominion and subdue every spirit that was using that man as a gateway into the workplace. And to subdue them, forbid their operation, and to release blessing into that place. And I said, You'll find it'll be a little challenging for you for the next few days, but if you'll just keep it up, things will change. About 10 days later, he came to me and he said, I want to tell you what's happened. I said, what's happened? He said, well, the guy's been taken off the role. And he said, I've been promoted into the role. And actually, <laughs> the, the whole of the work environment has changed. The problems have decreased and productivity has started to increase. I could continually tell you stories just like that. We... We don't seem to realize just how much spiritual forces impact what goes on and how we as believers have authority to shut them down. And if we don't, who is going to? I tell you what happens. Most believers just forget that there is a real spiritual world. They just forget it. So we're trying to, in this series, uh, help you understand it is very real. It is very uh, present. And when you step up to engage it, then you will find that there is a real fight goes on. And if you'll persist and learn how to walk and, and, and win the battle, you'll change things immensely. 
Okay then, so there we go. So here we, this is number 1.5, you've been commissioned in Matthew 28 verse 18. Jesus spoke to them and saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. And so therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things I've commanded you. Lo, I'm with you even to the end of the age. So Jesus has given us a command and it involves nations. Now nations involves government, it involves business, it involves media, it involves sports, art, science, education. Now one of the things is we tend to forget that the Great Commission means transformation within the community. Transformation one soul at a time. And in this particular hour God is emphasizing ordinary believers arising in the different areas of the community and starting to make the presence of God and their presence felt. In Taiwan where we have a privilege to minister uh, they're making tremendous inroads into the media. And uh, in one church alone that we've been to, there are over now over a hundred people from the media, from the arts and entertainment and TV industry are in just one church. Over a hundred that have been saved in the last four years. And they are using their gifts to bring the gospel into the nation. Now, there are about three significant churches in Taiwan that are having an influence and between them, they have something between 200 and 250 celebrities covering the pop area, the high-class quality entertainment area, and then various areas of media and television. I have prayed for them. In fact, I had a privilege of praying for and prophesying over the leading uh, actor and, uh, and uh, singer in Asia, the one who's the most famous of all, who when he turns out, the crowds just come screaming. And, uh, and, and these people are responding. God's, the gospel is going into these areas. We need to arise and believe it's possible to do that. So the whole church has got to commission a mandate, not just to go and win souls, but actually get them aligned and start to shift the whole culture. It's the most exciting possibility. And so we saw how the original commission was given to Adam, and Adam lost it. Jesus came to restore it. He commissioned the 12, he commissioned the 70, and then he's commissioned the whole church. And then before they started, he said, Acts 1.8, wait until you receive the power of the Holy Ghost to do the work. You have to be anointed and filled with the Spirit to be able to do this kind of work. You can't engage in the realm of the Spirit significantly unless you're baptized in the Holy Ghost and released in the Holy Ghost. Jesus promised that we'd be anointed with the Holy Ghost and this was necessary for the completion of our assignment. That's why just normal, just giftings are not enough. Talent is not enough. We need to be filled with the Holy Ghost. We need to be filled with the Spirit of God. And he told us, go, fulfill the assignment, make Christ known, make disciples, heal the sick, cast out demons, bring the presence of God wherever you go. And we want to help you in these next sessions to understand your assignment and then how to arise and begin to assert authority. Amen?